Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Friends with Wheels podcast. Today, I talk with Darlene Norman, a licensed educational psychologist, about about her work and what she does in the educational realm to really help students with disabilities, you know, meet the challenges that they need in order to succeed in the classroom. It's going to be a fun and interesting conversation, so I hope you tune in to this episode. Enjoy. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the disability community. Yeah, so my name is Darlene Norman, and I currently am in California. Um, I got into the disability community professionally at first. Um, I uh, got my graduate degree at Eastern Washington University in the field of school psychology. And um, after finishing that program, I began working at it as a school psychologist in um, public education. So I primarily work with um, students who are somewhere between three years old to up to 21, 22 years old in um, special education services. Um, but I also provide support in the general education environment um, for students who uh, uh, in, and participate on intervention teams and things like that. Um, but eventually, uh, my my husband and I, we uh, welcomed our first and only um, child, our daughter, who um, was born with CHARGE syndrome. And so she has been an introduction to stepping into the parent side of um, um, supporting an individual with uh, disabilities. Mm-hmm. Cool. So like, what sorts of things do you do as a school psychologist? What sorts of things do you like work on with individuals with disabilities? Because I understand you work in that field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the what I, I do as a school psychologist um, uh, can vary. It really depends on the school um, that uh, you work in and how they might utilize that role. Um, but as a school psychologist, one of the primary responsibilities is conducting psychoeducational evaluations. And that's to... Um, participate on the evaluation team or the individual education plan team for students when they're um, initially qualifying for special education services um, or when a student is um, in the process of having a triennial evaluation completed to determine their continuing need for special education services. So conducting the the psychoeducational evaluations is the first and primary um, job role essentially because we're one of the few um, team members that participates in doing so and and we cover a variety of areas including cognitive um, testing there's also cognitive processing testing that's included in that we can do academic testing social emotional um, testing and adaptive behavior testing and we work with um, any team member that's um, should be included in the students evaluation or IEP team Um, So we do a lot of consultations with parents, uh, with general education teachers, special education teachers, other support team members like um, speech and language pathologists, um, administrators, occupational therapists, physical therapists, adaptive PE uh, specialists, and there's other types of um, disability specialists that support low incidence needs, such as uh, teachers with a visually impaired, orientation mobility specialists, deaf art of hearing specialists, 
um, orthopedic impairment specialists. Um, there's a whole list of um, team members. Oh, and not to forget um, behavior specialists. Um, so in addition to the psychoeducational evaluations, um, school psychologists can also uh, perform functional behavior assessments. So if there's a, um, a behavior of concern, an evaluation can be done to determine the function of a behavior and also to help create a behavior support plan to help uh, work on addressing challenging behaviors for replacement behaviors um, um, and turn some of those challenges into more positive experiences and learning. Um, and then we can also do some uh, service delivery, which includes counseling services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I also understand that you created a project called IDEA. Uh, like how did, what is that? And like, how did that come about? Yeah. So um, being a parent of a child with special needs, especially a, a child with charge syndrome, um, uh, her educational disability category is deaf blind which is a very rare educational disability. It's also a rare syndrome. And um, it's a rare medically and educationally complex syndrome. So as I mentioned, there's a lot of team, um, educational team members that a child um, may have as part of their service providers. Well, this, um, a, a child with deafblind, but particularly a child with charge syndrome has a whole bunch of specialists. And so it's usually a large IEP team that the family is working with. And, um, and in addition to um, the educational side of it, there's the medical needs. So children with CHARGE syndrome have a large number of medical specialists. And so it, it's really challenging to be organized and to also learn how to navigate the various disability uh, systems of support. So that the first one's educational, um, but the medical community is another one. And there's also the disability support services community. So what, um, what we've done as a family is to help try to coordinate our communication and care, especially with our educational team, because the team um, does tend to change over um, uh, from year to year. There's new team members, and there's a lot of information to share about a child, such as um, our daughter. And so we've created a, a website, so where we just picked her name, and we built a, a website based off of that, so it's easy for people to remember. And then within it, what we've done is created um, different web pages that help tell her background information, information that's relevant to her. Um, she happens to uh, be learning sign language as one of her modes of communication. Um, and also she's got medical complexities such as um, a G-tube uh, or a gastrostomy tube for feeding um, because it's not safe for her to orally eat and drink uh, for hydration and nutrition. And so what we've done is created uh, YouTube videos that allow her um, to be the star of her, um, of her YouTube channel and to um, give in her, an introduction of herself to her team, also show others how she uses her G-tube and how others can help her with it. Um, but the concept is called, um, or the original concept is uh, a personal portfolio. Um, that uh, David Brown, who is a charge syndrome educational expert, and he's written about that topic and done numerous presentations to the, the charge syndrome or the deafblind community, um, uh, both nationally and internationally. And uh, this was, let's see, uh, two summers ago where the charge syndrome conference had to be held virtually because of the pandemic. And so I was, um, uh, participating in one of the, the webinars. 
And I decided to take that concept, which is most often done on paper, um, where the parents are encouraged to write about their their child and then to be able to use that to share information to their educational team. Um, but the with the complexities of our children, I decided to turn that into more of a website because it's easy to update. It's easy to share with others. We use a format that allows us to keep her information protected and private. And so what we've done is um, use it to be able to update and to share with people who need to know, but then we can reduce the access when they don't need to know because it involves um, uh, listing out all the her, her different providers for her educational team, her disability community team in the community, and also her medical providers. And it's an avenue to be able to have a one-stop resource so that way, if anybody has questions or concerns, they can go to that and learn more information about her, um, have access to her updated documents, and um, get it from there. And the the term of this project, it's called Embraced IDEA, which um, ideally, uh, or what it's, um, it can be, have a reference to um, IDEA as the special education law. However, it's um, actual acronym stands for inclusion, um, diversity, equity, and accessibility. And so we've created this as a family um, company to be able to, um, uh, as my as our daughter learns and grows, um, to be able to have an opportunity to learn job skills. So she she knows how to update her website personally and can um, it, uh, knows how to um, uh, get to the different pages, change the wording. Uh, we're working on teaching her how to do um, other updates like embedding videos when we have some updates to make, adding photos and such. And so the, the idea is that we can use this to help teach her post-secondary transition skills for planning for what she wants to do after she um, graduates high school. And um, so we're, we, we're using it as a multi-layered approach to support our um, our daughter, but also as a way to keep us organized and a way to disseminate information easily, because it can be a lot to um, to manage all the things with having a child in the disability community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like how important is having, you know, that connection between parents and disability service providers? You know, how can that shape an individual's educational and personal aspirations? Yeah, I would say it's very important. Um, we, I feel very fortunate that um, I started in the field professionally. And so I was able to learn and understand the, the educational disability community side of things and understand the systems. Um, however, um, as important as education is, um, it only lasts until um, the child graduates from high school or up till age 21, 22. And when that um, education stops, then you really need to stay connected to what's available in the larger community. So building relationships and rapport with other disability organizations that are lifelong are really important. So there are, um, there's plenty of organizations and if um, other parents are, um, or community members are interested in learning about it, there's information resource centers that are dedicated specifically to um, special education um, supports, but there's other local ones or even, sorry, national ones um, that can be identified that are um, location-based, either state or um, across the nation that help provide those um, unique supports. So finding uh, disability communities related to your child's diagnosis, 
um, is really important because they can follow you along the lifespan. They're available for that type of support. Um, community resources is another one. Um, there's a, a, a local organization called Parents Helping Parents, and they end up having a, a wonderful resource center that allows for both educational professionals, medical professionals, and family members to be able to seek information and supports in a variety of areas. So um, essentially, uh, there's so much information out there to be aware of and hard to keep um, on top of. So being able to use those professional supports in a way that um, in, in the information out there is a great way to stay connected and to uh, reach out and touch base with any resource professional that um, can help with uh, finding the information that you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like my last question here is how can your work in educational psychology and this project in particular really reduce the stigma of disability? Because uh, I know there's a lot of that in our society. And um, like my second part of that question is how do you create an inclusive and welcoming environment for these individuals? All right, I'll start with the inclusion um, side of things. I, do, I think one of the things that it's really important to, to help teach others is that the inclusion side of things is really about um, having access to the community. And it's not just about um, being a part of it, but there needs to be meaning, meaningfulness um, in that approach. And so there is much to learn from the disability community to, and to teach um, others who have little to no exposure to it that inclusion matters and inclusion um, also has the aspect of having a sense of belonging. Because um, it's, it's one thing to be, um, you know, to be um, uh, available or um, being in the community itself by itself, uh, on its own. Um, but without that sense of belonging, um, you know, there really is um, something missing. And so um, there are so many organizations that are in our communities that help to create that um, by uh, creating small groups and having a sense um, to go out into the world and do activities together with um, either like individuals or creating a more of a diverse community. So that way there's inclusion with both uh, people who have similar needs, but others who don't, there's more of a diversity. Um, and so in the realm of school psychology um, and also I have a, um, a private practice as a licensed educational psychologist in California, the Resilient Minds Collective Group. And one of the things that we see that's really important um, and that I use as my takeaway with working with clients, both who are um, children, but also their parents, and then adults with disabilities, is that um, there is a sense of um, ownership, of understanding, to be able to help empower individuals to advocate for themselves and their family needs, um, because the continuum for what experiences that they have is really vast. And so um, being a parent and starting our organization of Embrace IDEA, the working in the disability community as a professional, I, I find that what's most helpful is to, to create resources for families um, because they often have a lot of questions, whether they're new to the disability community and they're at the beginning stages of understanding of what is the most pressing information I need to know right now and then working with them um, along the lifespan. Um, because when an individual, when a parent becomes introduced to the world of disabilities unexpectedly, it can be overwhelming. And so 
what we try to do is meet parents where they're at um, in terms of giving them information that's most needed and relevant at this time, but also letting them know and encouraging them that there are there are supports along the along the way and that at any time that they have questions or they're ready for more information that we um, as professionals can be able to help support them with that. Um, sometimes what I also try to do is to help parents um, think about the long term. Um, there's a bit of a grief cycle that families, parents will go through when they discover that their child has a disability because there's a lot of unknowns of what to expect and that can be hard for families. And so letting them know that, you know, you're each step of the way that there's um, a cheerleader with you and that there's much um, to be hopeful for and to love and experience along the way. Each moment that we have with our children is, um, is a gift and um, we want to help families understand and, and appreciate that as much as possible. Yeah, I think that part is important just to meet parents where they're at. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, everybody, that does it for today's episode of My Friends with Wheels podcast. Today, I talked with Darlene Norman, a licensed educational psychologist. Uh, she and I had an interesting and wonderful conversation about the work that she does in the educational setting and how she helps students, you know, thrive in the classroom environment. I really got to learn a lot about her work and how she's doing to achieve that objective. Anyway, I hope you tune in for other episodes of this podcast. Until then, have a wonderful day. Bye-bye, everyone.